Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Pella Window and Door of Georgia, viewed to be the best. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. Have you heard any good rumors lately? My guess is you probably have. Georgia had its first scrimmage on Saturday. Lots of folks were there, booster types, things like that, donor class. And uh, they've obviously talked some about what they've seen. I'll tell you what I've heard. You've got your own sources on this probably because everybody seems to know somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody who was in an event like this. And so rumors not hard to come by. Now, getting everybody on the same page about what they saw (laughs) This is one of the reasons why you talk to any police officer or like, you know, criminal investigator. They'll tell you oftentimes eyewitness accounts, not very reliable. Uh, the kind of rumor mill on the on the heels of a scrimmage is a pretty, pretty good example of that, because so and so said this, but then so and so said the exact opposite. And, you know, you're trying to figure all that out. Well, I've tried to catalog the best I can some sort of broad takes from what happened on Saturday inside Sanford Stadium. And we'll do that here coming up in just a couple of minutes. Would you allow me, though, before we get there to do something sort of just for fun to kind of lighten the mood to begin the week? And then we'll kind of drill down on the serious football stuff after that. You may remember that on Thursday's show, we had Tony Barnhart, Mr. College Football. And I love Tony because Tony literally knows everybody, all the coaches for a long time. You know, Tony just has deep relationships with them all. And so when I have a chance to have Tony on the show, usually a few times during the year, we try to do that. I I just really, really enjoy it because I love Tony's insight someone that i've enjoyed reading and kind of following for really a long time so it's always a thrill for me to have tony barnhart mr college football on our show and so last week when tony was on the show he was talking about steve spurrier and spurrier talking about georgia winning that third straight national championship when i told tony was tony please tell me on behalf of all georgia fans that spurrier is as worried and as bothered by this from georgia as we think that he probably should be because georgia fans like the idea of longtime nemesis spurrier just being in total abject misery about the success georgia's having kind of reminds me of in 2017 when georgia was on its way to beating florida 42 7 spurrier actually walked into the press box for a couple of minutes there and he was just oh he's so dejected hair disheveled you know just really despondent about the idea that his precious alma mater was getting dragged by georgia and obviously things have gotten much worse for florida in comparison to georgia since then so we get the idea that surely Steve Spurrier must be in just total misery about the idea that Georgia has now won two straight national championships, something that Spurrier was not able to do during his career. Surely he must just be in awful misery about that. And at the time, Tony said, well, he wasn't quite so sure, but he's also maybe, you know, going to be respectful of someone he's had a relationship with for a long time. We would say, no, nah, it's probably likely true that Steve Spurrier, very well aware of his legacy, realizing that Kirby Smart could kind of blow past Spurrier eventually on the ranks of all-time SEC coaches. And clearly, Steve would not like that very much. In fact, Steve, who seems to always take every chance he can get to sort of snipe at UGA, take a little jab here and there. And, and as Georgia's gotten more and more successful, the attempts at doing that have seemingly, in my mind anyway, gotten more and more desperate. Let me give you the latest example of this. Spurry was on another sort of Georgia nemesis, although lately he hasn't had much to say either. You know Mike Bianchi, you know who that is? Columnist for the Orlando Sentinel, radio host there in Central Florida. Bianchi's the one that was among many folks down there who for such a long time was talking up Dan Mullen and how Kirby Smart's day in the sun wasn't going to last very long because Mullen was going to, I don't know, 
take over the sport whatever it was he's going to do and you know, a lot of that stuff has sort of been memory hold you know you kind of push that to the side and sort of pretend it never happened but around here we save receipts we got long memories and so clearly mike uh, bianchi has disgraced himself in the past in terms of some of the things that he said and he's got this thing with c spurrier on his radio show and spurrier goes in and he's complaining about the georgia non-conference schedule we've heard a lot of this lately so the topic itself is you know i guess somewhat relevant although steve spurrier now holding on to that kind of final sort of you know sort of fragment of relevance here before the uh, college football world kind of forgets him and moves on uh but nonetheless spurrier on with mike bianchi let me read the quote here to you uh spurrier not happy with some of these non-conference schedules and apparently worried about what he used to call his mighty gators we call them now the lousy stinking gators and what they have to do here this year spurrier telling mike bianchi right now in the sec there are only two teams who are playing two power five teams we're playing utah and florida state South Carolina's playing North Carolina and Clemson, so he's sort of bragging on the schools where he used to coach. He says all the others are just playing one, and some of them maybe none. He says, I think Georgia opens up with UT Martin, and we're going to Utah, the team that just won the Pac-12. You know, and this is the kind of the, the, the funny line from Spurrier here. He says, you know, there's a difference in scheduling – uh, there's a difference in scheduling to what your record is going to be. Once again, that's Steve Spurrier you're talking to Mike Bianchi. And I would say to Steve Spurrier, now listen, I realize Steve's been out of the game for a while. Maybe the sport's just sort of passing him by here. But I would tell Steve Spurrier, if you think the only difference between Georgia and Utah, I should say Georgia and Florida, if you think the only difference right now between Georgia and Florida are the two schedules that they're playing, then Steve Spurrier really has kind of gotten unplugged and does not realize what's going on in college football. Now, deep down, we think Spurrier knows there's a lot more significant differences between Georgia and uh, Florida than that, more so than just uh, the Gators playing Utah to begin the season. Because after all, we saw Georgia last year begin its season against a you know formidable Pac-12 team, and Georgia beat them 49-3, to talking about Oregon. So <laughs> right now, there's a lot of difference between Georgia and Florida that have nothing to do with the scheduling. And I think that, of of course steve spurrier knows that but spurrier's words there also kind of reflect a lot of what's being said about georgia there too and here's what we know georgia is the number one team in the country both in the preseason already in the coaches poll ap poll comes out today we believe that georgia will obviously be there again there on that they finished number one the last two years there as well so you have to have some opinion about georgia if you sort of live in the media space at all spurrier frequent guests a lot of shows now uh media types sort of ride or talk for a living you know georgia is the number one overall team so you got to have some sort of opinion of them but just given how good they appear to be on paper it's very hard to have a very interesting opinion about georgia on the field if you're trying to you know sort of create some sort of conflict which all conversations are in sports are sort of based around some sort of conflict around some sort of issue some sort of wedge divide people on one side or the other it's hard to create that on georgia right now with play on the field because georgia on paper is so much better than everybody it will play on the field here this year you can't really do it there so a lot of the the media types have sort of gravitated towards the schedule as kind of the only thing you can sort of nitpick or argue with george about and it's clearly steve spurrier desperate for relevance desperate to kind of take a jab at george when possible sort of grabs onto that too well the other day we kind of heard from kirby smart on this topic of the idea that georgia might be viewed skeptically because of its non-conference schedule whether it be media types or even the college football playoff selection committee and so what kirby said then about the cfp committee is probably also relevant for what he might say but Steve Spurrier there too if you uh if you you know gave him a chance to be truly honest and what Kirby says right now is he isn't worried about any of this that's what you'd expect but that's what Kirby Smart said nonetheless in fact let me let you hear Kirby on that particular topic 
I, I mean, his thoughts never even crossed my mind. I mean, is, is, is there any part of that that, that, that I control? No. no. So I, I can't, I cannot concern myself with any part of that. I mean, all we can do is go out and try to schedule the best we can. And when we scheduled the game with Oklahoma, we, we, we were trying to do that. We're trying to create this this identity of we wanted to play our conference schedule, we wanted to play Georgia Tech, and we wanted to play others. Um, and, you know, we lost out on that because of a, a realignment, I mean, a, you know, reconfer adding teams to the conference, and that, that just is what it is. So I certainly don't concern myself with the thoughts of college football playoff committee because I, I don't have any control over it. I think that's well said. And I think it also, and this is the point I'm kind of building to here, I think it also kind of demonstrates the way in which the sort of Georgia-centric conversation is evolving compared to the way the national conversation around Georgia sort of never evolves at all. Remember, national media types just don't know that much about Georgia. They're too busy, worried about whatever else, you know, conference expansion, things like that, to really focus in on what's exactly happening at Georgia. All right now, Georgia fans themselves you know, I've kind of taken on the mindset of Kirby Smart here. They're not worried about Tennessee Martin or Auburn on the road or Tennessee on the road or even college football playoff at all. There are real interesting questions being asked about Georgia on the field right now in terms of the position battles that are playing out. Uh, guys who are potentially kind of stepping into bigger roles, guys who maybe need to take another step to sort of be in the bigger role they may be called upon to play for Georgia here this year, that that's what's sort of more relevant to Georgia fans here right now. So Steve Spurrier can be out there saying whatever he wants to. Oh, Georgia's not playing Utah. Georgia's only playing one Power 5 opponent. Georgia's doing this. Georgia's doing that. And UGA fans can legitimately say, Steve, we don't care what you say about us at all anymore. And think about how nice of a place that is to be. For a long time, Georgia fans had to sort of sit there and take it. Spurrier said his thing about whatever. Even after he was done coaching in Florida and moved on to other places, Spurrier would still sort of take that jab at UGA, and Georgia fans had to sort of just sort of sit there and take it because at one point in time, Steve Spurrier sort of had scoreboard over UGA. Well, guess what? It's been a long time since Florida's had any kind of scoreboard against Georgia whatsoever. Spurrier can moan and whine and complain about the Georgia schedule all he wants to. But the thing that really matters for Georgia is the number of games it plays. Last year it played 15. The year before that it played 15. We believe Georgia's going to play 15 games again. We believe that Georgia's going to win them all. And when it's all said and done, plenty of times for Georgia to prove exactly how good it is. We think that's going to happen. Georgia will go for 3-23, and 23 and Steve Spurrier will be whining some more when it's all said and done. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented today by Pella, the window and door of Georgia. We're happy to have you with us today. No matter how you get to us, live on video, 10 a.m., Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, all kinds of video platforms, or most all the video platforms, of course. We just try to make them, uh, we try to make the show available as many places as we can. Radio, podcast, everything else in between. Just really, really happy to have you with us here on the show. My understanding is we had a nice, smooth broadcast there on Friday after a couple of hiccups. So uh, that's always a uh, really good news. Really, really, really appreciate that. And we appreciate our friends at Pella Window and Door of Georgia for making it all possible there for you there as well. Energy efficient windows and doors. That is what Pella Window and Door of Georgia is all about. And it's those properly fitted windows, those efficient doors. It, it, it's, it's that kind of thing that helps this time of year keep that very expensive air conditioning, which is working overtime in your house the way it probably is at mine. That's what keeps that on the inside of your house exactly where it's supposed to be. That is what Pella Window and Door of Georgia is all about. And not only does the do the Pella windows, and the Pella windows and the Pella doors make your house feel good on the inside, it also makes it look good on the outside. Great way to be a good neighbor. A uh, great way to kind of take care of what's probably the most important investment you have, your own home. 
when you think about resale value, things like that, this is one of the things that could benefit you. Uh, improving that curb appeal, kind of, you know, taking the best proper care of your uh, house. That is what Pella windows and doors are all about there as well. So it could be time for you to have one of those free, no pressure consultations with one of the Pella experts. They'll talk you through the entire product line, your installation options, your financing options if need be. You can do it in their experience center there in Duluth. You can do it in your own home. You can do it virtually. Lots of different ways for you to do that. But when you talk to them, just make sure you said, hey, BA from Dog Nation Daily said you had some good stuff for me, including a great savings opportunity right now. Because between now and September 30th, you're going to get 10% off your entire project or no payments, no interest for 12 months. So stop by and see them in Duluth or give them a call 678-638-1429 that's 678-638-1429 or online pella of ga uh pella of ga.com slash dog nation that's pella of ga.com slash dog nation pella window and door of georgia is viewed to be the best all right we got john stinchcomb coming up here in just a little bit we'll do a marlowe's tavern insider update with him prior to that i want to go around the doghouse and now I want to kind of get into what we've heard took place, the first scrimmage for Georgia on Saturday, and kind of compare that with what Kirby Smart said about that first scrimmage there on Saturday there as well. Let me start with this. Kirby Smart, when he met with the media on Saturday, took some time to sort of share an opening statement before he took any questions. And in that opening statement, Smart laid it out very, very clearly about the challenge that he wanted to issue to his players. We know how hot it was. I was outside on Saturday. Many of you probably were too. And it was extreme heat conditions. But guess what? Football in the South in the in the you know, days of September, even in October, can also be played in extreme heat conditions there as well. So Kirby kind of knows his team's got to be kind of ready for that. And he wanted to see who was able to push through that on Saturday. So Kirby Smart did not hold back in talking about how important that was to the overall evaluation they were able to make. Let me let you hear Kirby from the uh, scrimmage there on Saturday. Pads Friday and went outside and uh, challenged them and then uh, turned around and practiced a little bit earlier today than, than what we've been doing. We typically scrimmage Saturdays around lunch, but we practiced around two or three in the afternoon. So um, it was uh, it was it was good. It was good to find out like okay, who really wants part of this? Who really wants to go out here and compete and get better? Um, so that part, I think we got to identify maybe some guys that are ready to play versus some guys that want no part of it because they can't sustain and keep their uh, their level of focus up uh, during the scrimmage. What I was told was is that on Saturday, Kirby Smart was just really, really hard on these guys during the scrimmage. Not in a bad way or anything like that, but just in a really intense way. That Kirby Smart himself was going to be intense as a way of pushing their level of intensity to the kind of its highest possible point. And in some respects, that sort of echoes a little bit of what I've heard this summer where yeah, there have been some people around the program, like staffers, things like that, who apparently have been very impressed with some of the Georgia summer workouts. And yet, even in the face of that, Kirby Smart within the building has been just peeling the paint off the walls, just as intense as he's ever been in terms of you know his focus and his drive to see Georgia go out and succeed. As we say around here, go for three and 23. It takes kind of an uncommon commitment to excellence in order to make something like that happen. And apparently, Kirby Smart's got that. And you know, clearly, he's sort of challenging his players to do that right now. And admittedly, you know, I remember, you know, over the years, Smart has sort of said this, you know, some guys practice indoors better than they practice outdoors. You go into the indoor facility, uh, conditions are controlled, temperatures are nice, you know, you know, comfortable 70 degrees or whatever else. Uh, for some players, Smart has said in the past, easier to practice indoors than it is outside. Well, you know, clearly Kirby wants to see who can kind of push through outside. And some of the people who were there on Saturday said, hey, that was one of their biggest takeaways overall is just how 
intense Kirby was and making sure even in, when the scrimmage was over with some of the sprint stuff you know to can kind of conclude the practice that Kirby was challenging him to do that Kirby was just on that microphone you could hear it echoing all over Sanford Stadium of course the stadium was mostly empty so the aluminum bleacher is going to echo a little bit more that Kirby was just really out there pushing him hard once again nothing you know inappropriate or anything like that just really making sure guys were giving it their all and obviously that's an not an easy thing to necessarily do when it is so hot but clearly that's what makes georgia the best uh that idea of pushing through when other guys might want to tap out and right now kirby says he's getting uneven levels of commitment as it relates to all that you wouldn't necessarily expect kirby to say anything different how about the issue though of quarterback we know this is probably the hottest topic of all here right now and we're reminded by the way on Saturday night, Stetson Bennett playing his first ever NFL action preseason game for the LA Rams, obviously the two-time national championship, former starting quarterback at Georgia. Stetson had, a, I thought, a really good day for the Rams there, made some fun throws and clearly kind of showed you that Stetson Bennett can have a very bright NFL future and could be a very interesting figure in LA for quite some time. And when you see Stetson doing what he did for the Rams in a preseason game, admittedly just a preseason game, but nonetheless, when you see him doing that, you're reminded, oh, so here's a quarterback that's a Heisman finalist, a two-time national champion, you know, kind of showing out a little bit in his first ever NFL preseason action. That Stetson Bennett really was just truly a very good quarterback for Georgia. And a guy who was a very good quarterback for Georgia, based on all the things that I just mentioned, would obviously leave very big shoes to fill as he kind of moves on the next guy sort of steps up so that's the context for all of this that while all of the quarterbacks who are currently at Georgia have much higher recruiting profiles than what Stetson Bennett ever had the truth is Bennett outperformed his own profile by a long shot so ultimately you don't evaluate Bennett by what you thought about him coming into Georgia you evaluate him on what he looks like leaving UGA and he looks like one of the you know best players certainly to play that position at Georgia if not any position ever at UGA and so if it's Carson Beck or Brock Vanderriff or eventually Gunnar Stockton or something like that whoever it is being as good as Stetson based on what we kind of got a reminder of there on Saturday is not necessarily uh, an easy thing to do so that's the backdrop over everything happening at quarterback here right now and as far as how these guys played and performed in this particular Saturday, you know, I think you kind of hear various things about sort of various players, positive moment for this guy, positive moment for that guy. I guess Carson Beck maybe got off to a little bit of a slow start, but started playing better as the day went on. Uh, Vandergriff kind of had a moment or two that was maybe pretty good. And yet maybe Beck, I think to the people that were there that I kind of talked to looked like he was probably sort of best position to be the starting quarterback maybe it wasn't a great day necessarily for anybody it sounds like uh interesting to hear this it sounds like Gunnar Stockton uh had some moments that kind of caused some people to say hey you know what I, I like this Gunnar Stockton guy which sort of echoes some of what we also hear from people kind of close to the program from time to time there as well but that's kind of the rumor mill some of that was actually kind of contradictory <laughs> If you really listen to everything that everybody, you know, has said that was there or, you know, people that you might know, it's one of those things that's sort of in the eye of the beholder a, a little bit. But generally speaking, it sounds like a slow start for Beck that got better as the day went on. And probably, you know, I think clearly the, the, the guy that's probably best positioned to be the starting quarterback here right now. But overall, about the quarterback position, what was seen from this Saturday scrimmage, Kirby Smart uh, shared some of that for you, too. This Kirby from Saturday. I know you guys are going to ask about the quarterback position, but I can't tell you anything until I watch the tape. I can tell you that um, I would like to see all three of them play better, but the people around them 
have to play better. So when you evaluate a quarterback and you say, well, he threw an interception, well, if he hit a guy in the hands and it bounced through his hands and got intercepted, you know, obviously we, we, we judge that. You know, if we're, there's seven drops during the scrimmage because of wet hands and heat, then you evaluate that. But I don't think any of those quarterbacks would tell you they played their best game. And I think we need each one of them to get better to get where we want to go. And a lot of that has got to do with, you know, cutting down some of the offense, deciding what we want to use, uh, and really focusing in on that. that. That wasn't today's goal. Today's goal was to find out who's got some toughness and uh, who can push through. So I told you on Friday that the more Kirby kind of talks about all three quarterbacks together within the same sentence, the more that's probably a slight nag in the direction of, uh, you know, Carson Bag, just in the standpoint of you're really challenging him to sort of step to the forefront here and put himself out in front of the other two. It's his time to do that. You're kind of challenging him to do that. And yet, nonetheless, while it's maybe a slight, you know, kind of negative in his direction, I don't overall sort of see it as necessarily a bad thing because I think what you also kind of see here is the comfort in making a tough evaluation against Carson Beck. In other words, you know, sometimes when a coach like Kirby maybe says something too positive maybe there's a little bit of a sort of a built-in message of encouragement for that player because maybe you feel like he needs it but in this particular case you know maybe they feel comfortable enough with back then kind of push him a little harder because they believe his overall ceiling is probably pretty high now listen is that also reading way too much and all this quite possibly it is but just sort of consider that that when you hear a player being pushed publicly or in the case of someone like back who we think could be on his way to emerging as a starting role and yet not having that kind of kind of explicitly suggested you know right now that part of that might be an overall comfort level of hey we can put a harsh evaluation on him because we believe they can handle it we believe his level of play ultimately may overcome that and he may actually kind of live into what we need for him to be but as far as like the specific evaluation of Carson Beck you know Kirby was asked directly about that and it's appropriate to ask that question specifically about Beck because based on the way the spring exited it seemed like Beck was and I believe still is on his way to being the starting quarterback so specifically about back you know Kirby does address some of that while also pivoting back to their guys a little bit too Kirby again on QBs oh he does a really good job I mean, all three of them do like executing the offense you gotta remember all three of them were in it last year uh, and have been in it for a while the verbiage doesn't change so like they know and can execute the offense the players around them have to make plays and they have to avoid catastrophe situations because, you know, we have a defense that, that, that causes havoc. We have a defense that can be disruptive in disguise. And there's going to be a play every now and then. you got to get us to the next play. You don't have to make, you don't have to make a Superman play. you just got to get us to the next play. And, and I don't think that Carson or any of those quarterbacks don't understand what we're trying to do offensively or what we do to execute. They need ten people around them functioning at a high level and a couple of those ten to make some you know explosive plays for them. So the bottom line is, I don't know anyone who was there who came away just like wowed by anything that happened with the quarterbacks on Saturday. But at the same time, I don't know that I've heard from anybody who was like alarmed either. You know, it was apparently a pretty good day for the defense. But y'all, here's the thing you got to keep in mind. When it comes to battling this Georgia defense, and I mean this literally, when it comes to battling this Georgia defense, you don't have to have a winning record to be a winner. That moments matter and you don't have to win the majority if you think about the individual plays as reps you don't have to win the majority of the reps to walk away feeling like a winner so you kind of measure this offense in moments right now not did it have an overall winning record against the Georgia defense because that's not going to happen for the most part for anybody necessarily 
So just sort of keep that in mind that that a lot of what if you were you know lucky enough to have to be able to be there and by the way you know if you're on the fence about this this is not a commercial for uga but maybe you ought to think about investing in that you know mcgill society like i said i don't work for georgia there's not a uh, georgia ad but you know if you want to get your own eyewitness account of this you can pony up a few dollars you can be there too and kind of f- see for yourself about some of this kind of stuff um but but you know the overall evaluation of this georgia offense comes with the caveat but they are doing it against the Georgia defense. And as I said, you don't necessarily have to have a winning record against this Georgia defense to walk away feeling like a winner. So just kind of use that as a little bit of, a, I guess, a sort of a template for the evaluation. Now, one more, then we're going to move on, get ready to talk to John Stinchcomb. I told you on Friday that to me, if you want to zero in on what maybe is the most interesting thing of all for Georgia here right now, we believe that on paper, Georgia's never had a crop of wide receivers better than its current crop to begin a season we think the quarterback situation whether it's unsettled now or not is on its way to a positive resolution in all likelihood there for UGA but what's interesting about Georgia is the fact that the running back spot right now seems by comparison far more unsettled and I've told folks before you know that Kirby Smart's a big believer that defensively if you want to kind of hobble an offense take away their running game to begin with and then you're a lot more capable of stopping their passing attack Kirby Smart's spoken about that before well if that's true for Georgia's defense against opposing offenses the inverse could also be true for Georgia's offense there as well that no matter how good quarterback might eventually be no matter how effective these wide receivers have the potential of being if Georgia doesn't have the component and complementary running game to go along with that that could be a problem for the Georgia offense and what we told you on Friday was that it seems like the Georgia fan skepticism of the running back situation right now is sort of rising i think the kendall milton injury has contributed to some of that just to be frank uh we heard from dale mcgee last week who said he was still confident what i told you last week was hey be careful showing too much of a lack of confidence if dale mcgee still says he is confident that georgia has a way of proving its detractors wrong and if you become one of those detractors then georgia might prove you wrong i said be careful of that uh if you saw friday's show or you heard friday's show you heard us talking about that well on saturday once again just to be honest with you i was told it was not a great day for the running backs it was not a great day for the you know frankly not a great day for the offensive line probably either which i guess is a little bit interesting considering how good i think this georgia offensive line can be but rushing yards were apparently hard to come by and that does sort of further the overall conversation about the georgia running back situation here right now and kirby smart once again was pretty candid and you sort of have to listen to what Kirby does say and doesn't say on this, and you want to be careful not to read between the lines too much, but Kirby is certainly not throwing compliments around uh, very freely and easy for this running back situation right now while also trying to keep sort of a realistic appraisal for what he thinks this group sort of can do. So pretty interesting from Kirby on what I believe is a pretty hot topic here right now, running back situation, Kirby after the scrimmage on Saturday. Dejan, Cash, uh, Andrew Paul, Rod Robinson, Savon Clark, that's five guys I know that, that JD, uh, those Daniels, those guys, they all they all get reps. So in terms of when the season starts, we'll take a picture of what we have healthy and make a determination. But Dejon's doing a great job. Cash Jones is doing a great job. I think Andrew Paul is still trying to get his confidence back. I don't think he was 100% today. I think that was a, a big psychological hurdle for him to go out there and get tackled live and be able to do that rod, had a real nice run and some good pickups lately. Um, I certainly think, you know, before the season's over, I don't know when, Branson's going to be fine. Kendall is hopefully going to be fine. So, I mean, we, we've got the backs we got. And, uh, 
you know, there's there's ways to be creative uh, around your running backs and, and use the skill players you have. So to me, there are three very sobering things that Kirby Smart says there. First of all, Andrew Paul, who a lot of Georgia fans really want to see. You know, in the past, Kirby's kind of talked about Andrew being on a similar timeline that that um, that Nick Chubb's been on. And we know in 2016, Chubb was not the same as he would be in 2017, one year removed from that horrible injury he suffered in 2015. And you hear that from Kirby, too, on Andrew Paul there of, you know, in terms of getting back from the injury that kept him off the field last year, this is still a little bit of a work in progress for him. So I would suggest you temper expectations. Not for what he can be eventually. Maybe he can be a very good running back. For what he is right now, based on what Kirby says there, based on some of what Kirby said in the past, I would temper some of those expectations. In the case of Branson Robinson, obviously Georgia fans have big expectations for him, but the phrase you hear there from Kirby is, you'll see that before the season is over, right? Not not on the road at Auburn September 30th, but sometime before the season is over. Now, that's not you know too specific, and so maybe the news is better than not, but it's still one of those things of, hey, you know, Branson Robinson dealing with something here that, that's going to last here for a little while. And when you try to evaluate the overall running back situation, you kind of do that with a little bit of cautious, uh, you know, cautiousness, maybe caution on the base of what Kirby Smart said there. And then even more so, you're Kirby Smart say by Kendall Milton. And I want to be really, really careful not to read too much into this one way or another, but the overall statement is, hey, we're hopefully going to get him back. And... I think that just sort of leaves the door open for a very nondescript prognosis for where things stand with Kendall Milton, what's actually you know kind of going on with that hamstring, and how you get that back with him feeling better and feeling like he can you know go out there and run and and do everything for Georgia that we know he wants to do in a season in which uh, Kendall's had so many expectations kind of you know tagged to him, including being a preseason All SEC guy the other day, uh, but Kirby Smart not exactly striking the most hopeful tone with those small number of words that he uses about Kendall Milton there right now so I guess do that what you will Del McGee remains confident Georgia fans have some big questions and Kirby Smart's words after the scrimmage on Saturday I think accentuate some of those questions that Georgia on offense has the potential to be very very good but figuring out how you find a running game to go along with what we do think can be a dynamic passing attack that's a pretty big topic for the dogs here in this offseason and that is around the doghouse here today on dog nation daily presented by pella window and door of georgia now i want to get ready to transition and kind of find out what somebody who's kind of been in these scrimmages and been in these battles sort of thinks about all of this uh obviously john stinchcomb is that guy and john watches all this closely so is john as concerned about the georgia running back situation as some uga fans have said they are or is john a little bit more like what we heard from del mcgee last week still confident in the face of some what is almost turning into doubts on the part of some fans about the current state of this group how about quarterback what can be learned from this what can be taken from this we'll figure all of that out here right now glad to have him and all of you with us as a part of a marlowe's tavern insider update on dog nation daily today from athens and across the sec or wherever the recruiting trail may lead here's a dognation.com insider we will say hello to john stinchcomb here on dog nation daily our marlowe's tavern insider update fun to have uh, john as part of that i gotta make sure i close my laptop so we can give full credit here to our friends at marlowe's on the screen uh for you those of you watching on video we'll make sure we show them some love there on that uh john we're glad to have you here and let me just sort of dive into this if you don't mind because you've been out there you've done this as a football player um, how hard is it to push through the heat on a day like what George experienced on Saturday? <laughs> it's brutal. 
especially because, you know, by this point in training camp, things start hurting and you're not 100% and you still have the wear and tear from the few days that you've already been out there grinding. So, you know, training camp is equal parts mental and physical and mentally trying to get past the physical pain you're already experiencing before you even, you know, have your first drill in the middle of practice. So, um, to have that X factor that a lot of teams north of us don't experience uh, is, is a challenge. And some coaches can utilize that, and um, it's a tool. But it, there's often times where, you know, there's enough in training camp that you, you want to eliminate that. So, obviously, uh, you pick and choose your spots, but it is very much a factor for everybody involved yeah how important is it to push through i mean i'll tell you this too i was up early saturday morning we had a broadcast on peachtree tv uh so i was up early and 6 30 in the morning being outside it was already incredibly humid it's one of those things where like when you walk outside those little beads of sweat kind of like formulate around your <laughs> temples forehead a little bit just like right away and so even at 6 30 in the morning you could already feel the uh humidity uh on saturday so if you were outside at all, you know how hot it was. But and given the fact that Georgia, not an NFL team, plays you know almost all of its will will play all of its regular season games, uh, you know outdoors in the conditions, September and October, very hot. So it is brutal. It's the kind of thing that's very uncomfortable. But how important is it for Georgia to also just be able to push through that on, on, a, on a day like that? Yeah. Well, you're going to play games outside, so you you need to practice outside, and you know it. Not all practices, not every time, but the ability to block out the misery of the weather conditions and focus on what your job is, um, it's part of the noise that you have to filter out. And if if you allow your your mind to start thinking about, man, it's humid and it's hot and I just don't feel great, and then what you're not thinking about is your task at hand. And so these type experiences and this time of camp, I think it's really important because it allows you to find that, that mental fortitude to focus where you need it to be and ignore some of the factors that you just can't control. Um, John, one of the topics has been pretty hot around here as of late is what's going on with Georgia, the running back spot. Now, admittedly, part of this is because we're going to talk about something as relates to Georgia football and so much about this team seems so buttoned up and so ready to go that you sort of gravitate to, I guess, one of the small questions you might have. We probably have a tendency to make that question into something bigger. Admittedly, we may be doing this about running back right now because we're going to talk about Georgia football and this sort of seemed to be on the mind of some people here right now. But if you listen closely to what Kirby Smart has said, including the clip that we played there a moment ago, he certainly seems to have his own observation of this here right now. Even saying in the clip we heard a moment ago of, hey, if I'm you know understanding his context correctly here, that, hey, we may have to figure out how to work around some of this right now because Branson Robinson's not out there. We don't know when Kendall Milton's going to be back out there again. Andrew Paul is not probably 100% here right now that it's you know it's Roderick Robinson it's a walk-on like Cash Jones it's a veteran like Dejon Edwards who may really be leaned on how big of a concern is running back for you both in terms of what Georgia has and understanding the overall importance of running the ball if you want to win in the SEC yeah I think we're talking about two different things uh when coach Smart is talking about the challenges uh 
The first is the challenge of getting in a good practice and letting the uh, wide receivers and the offensive line and the defense all get the reps that they need uh, to be ready and and have that uh, experience and time on task before you get to the regular season. And that's a challenge when at this time of year you're as banged up in running back position as, as Georgia is. What I don't think the concern is, is once games come around, that these players aren't very much capable of, of shouldering the load. I think, um, you know, if, if and when Kendall Milton's ready, you have confidence in him. Um, same goes for both Robinsons and Paul, and, and obviously Edwards has been that workhorse that, you know, that's kind of a known commodity right now as to what he brings to the table. So, um, I think the biggest concern is trying to figure out the reps for practice as you're, you're trying to get your entire team ready for uh, not only running the ball, but, but you know, showing your defense very capable uh, rushing attack that they're going to have to be prepared for when season rolls around. So as fans, I don't see that as a press the emergency button. We don't have the running backs that are going to be capable when season rolls around, it, it's more of can we get the reps in to get our entire unit ready um, for for uh, when week one comes. There was also, I guess, some rumors out there that may not have been the world's greatest day of the offensive line on Saturday. Uh, what do you attribute this to? Is, is this just having to face the Georgia defense, and that's a you know pretty full meal to have to try to eat? Something else maybe going on there. Uh, what do you make of what was? You know, sort of reported to be by eyewitnesses, eh, certainly a slow start for the offensive line at the very least. <laughs> I think that's training camp. I mean, there's days that don't look great. And, you know, is it the situation they were in? Is it, you know, there's a, a thousand different caveats that you can throw out there that would justify you know, not having your best performance. But I think at the end of the day, that's training camp. Defense is going to win some. And especially when it's Georgia's defense, they win more than most, um, which is a good cha- good challenge. We expect the offensive line at Georgia to be one of the strengths of this team, right? You, you go into this year and say, very realistically, you're looking at four guys that uh, could be in the NFL draft uh, in 2024. And, so the bar is set really high, and that's exactly where they want it to be and where it should be. Um, so when you have days where you don't, uh, I don't know, dominate, uh, is that is that the correct verbiage? Yeah. Um, then obviously it, it raises more scrutiny, but that's the nature of the beast. I mean, the, Georgia's defense is no joke, and so the iron short sharpens iron adage is very much appropriate, and there's going to be days that, you know the defense on on a whole comes out um, as as looking the the better unit, and that only makes you better as a team. So I'm curious of your opinion on this, and I don't know is an acceptable answer, of course. But I have said that I believe that Georgia has the best offense line on paper in the country to begin this season, 
And I also believe that offensive line right now is one of Georgia's overall top strengths just by comparison how little offensive line depth I seem to see other programs, potential, you know, typical SEC contenders, obviously the teams like, you know, Georgia you know, that are hoping to compete for the college ball playoff of Georgia. It seems like right now Georgia's just got so much more offensive line depth i believe than some of those other programs kind of have right now but if you want to make this about just an evaluation of uga i'm also hearing from you know some fans and you know people like that who are saying while georgia may feel really good about its starters here right now and a guy like austin blasky is sort of that super sub sixth man you know maybe the kind of you know quality backup that georgia always seems to have beyond that i guess there are some questions being asked about that sort of second offensive line unit and if there were multiple offensive line injuries how well georgia is currently built to withstand some of that there are guys like dylan fairchild we haven't really seen a lot yet that i really like uh michael morris is a guy that seems to be waiting the wings uh that i think a lot of people really like but it seems like there's also some concern of okay well georgia's got a really good five and maybe austin blasky is a really good kind of sixth man type guy but but maybe this is an unproven uh second team offensive line right now for Georgia how well do you feel like you know and how confident do you feel like you would be in that second offensive line for Georgia if more of those guys were kind of called in to more significant duty what an absolute luxury for us to be talking about (laughs) number seven through ten right Oh man, what a blessing that is! Uh, yeah, I mean, okay, let's let's dive in. If we don't get if we get past this, our sixth offensive lineman, who you know Austin Blasky is a guy that I think very easily could could have gone elsewhere to be a starter. Right at the yeah. end of spring ball, I think there was some speculation that maybe he goes somewhere else just to get um, more time on task and, and be out on the field. Very capable player. Um, but the, the fact that, I mean, I've looked at offensive lines across the SEC primarily. I don't study every team, nor do I look outside of the SEC predominantly, but um, there are holes across the board, and you read about, you know, some of the, the bigger dogs in the hunt, and, you know, it, it's what's our answer at right guard? There's a battle there. Well, that's the Georgia is <laughs> we're talking about well what if what if we have two guys go down yeah <laughs> and and I still think because of the the development and the um the level of talent that they've recruited uh where we are with our backups you're talking about I mean you, you mentioned two guys Fairchild and and Micah Morris not to mention some of the younger younger guys but they have been in this system going up against the exact same guys that our starters have um, and were highly touted and recruited on their own. So, uh, you know, we don't know because we haven't seen them, but I've, I've worked with some other Georgia guys, guys that were getting ready for the NFL and asked pointedly uh, specifically uh, about some of the others and, you know they're capable. Are they perfect? No, absolutely not. I mean they have their own shortcomings. But you know there, there are ways that you can highlight players' strengths and, and weaknesses. And if you're that deep into your reserves, I think you find ways to accommodate what they do best. And it's it's very similar to the conversation we just had. If if 
you know, we don't have our full stable of running backs. Are there other ways that Georgia's offense can be effective? I think the answer is absolutely. And the same would hold true if you uh, experience two or more uh, injuries that cause you to go a little bit deeper in your bag in a position group. So I want to ask you about quarterback here in a moment. Prior to that, let me remind folks, is our Marlowe's Tavern Insider Update with John Stinchcomb here today. And he's, our, of course, our Dog Nation Insider. But you yourself can become a Marlowe's Tavern Insider there as well. And this is really fun. You get tons of benefits really just for signing up and then all kinds of great incentives uh, throughout your time when you go and visit uh, Marlowe's Tavern. Let me explain to you how all of this works. First of all, just for signing up to be a Marlowe's Tavern Insider, uh, you're going to get $10 off $30 purchase there at Marlowe's just for signing up. So that's a great benefit coming your way there for doing that. Then after that, you are in the Insiders Club. And when you go to Marlowe's, you have a chance to earn what's called a qualified visit. So when you dine at Marlowe's and you spend at least $15, that becomes a qualified visit for you. Then when you get four qualified visits, that's going to provide you the opportunity to receive a complimentary entree uh, reward up to $20 on your next visit. You can also uh, do that you know, and take advantage of that, the tavern right there in your neighborhood. You get special offers for your birthday, all kinds of really fun stuff. So please go to marlowstavern.com for more information on that. marlowstavern.com for more information on that. So, John, let me ask you a very broad question, let you take it wherever you want to go to. I'm sure you've heard from plenty of people. You know, you yourself have your own kind of eyewitness account on stuff like this. And obviously, it's a big chatter here right now. What do you make of where you think this quarterback situation stands here right now for UGA after scrimmage one? Well, it's, it's to me, I listened to your, your piece and interpretation of what Coach Smart was saying. And, you know, I, it's, it's a motivating tool, right? You're in the point in camp where there's no sunshine to be shared across the players. We don't need to glorify anything they're doing because we're all trying to get better. And uh, football is a business of here's where you can improve, right? We're not going to dwell on the things you're doing well, what we need to do is is improve the areas that need improvement. And so it's always going to be, Holly, we need to get more out of these guys. We've got to push in these spaces. The overriding message that I hear, especially coming out of this past scrimmage, primarily from what Coach Smart's saying is we're not just looking at what the quarterbacks are doing. We've got to have the other 10 guys help him, Right. The, the, what he repeatedly said is, we don't need our quarterback to go out there and play like Superman. We need him to, to make the right decisions, and we need the players around them, whoever that might be, which is still most likely Carson Beck, to help and, and get them the ball and let them make plays. So that's the message that I hear. Not only was it, hey, we need – all three of our quarterbacks to play well, but really we need the other 10 guys around them, whoever's on the, on the field to be executing on their job. It's not just on our quarterback. So he spread, he spread it around and it wasn't love. It was uh, strong, strong encouragement, if yeah. you will, but we're in the point in training camp where you got to get better. Well, we'll certainly watch Georgia and its progress towards doing that as we head towards the beginning of September. And really a couple of weeks after that, South Carolina game, that's where it gets really fun. And then, 
I think a real test on the road September 30th at Auburn you got to have it all figured out by then and so we'll give them some time to do just that John we appreciate your insight as Georgia tries to do just that thanks for being here as a part of our Marlowe's Tavern insider update here today we hope you have a great week we'll look forward to talking to you soon appreciate you having me on go dog yes sir let's take a look around the rest of the league this is sec through yeah fun to think about that obviously the progress going to be continuing here through the uh, month of august and really kind of into september i mean i don't mind telling you i think we're all kind of the same way on this i wish georgia was playing oregon to begin the season or clemson to begin the season like we have done in the past and we'll see georgia do again in the future i wish georgia was going on the road to oklahoma i wish you had something like that to get excited about right now you kind of don't but Georgia can also kind of use that to its advantage so if it needs to get healthier at the running back spot or kind of figure out what it has at the running back spot because it's not very healthy then first couple of weeks provide the opportunity to do that in a roundabout way maybe it makes some of those games slightly more interesting than they would be if some of this quarterback competition is unsettled I have a suspicion it probably will be settled but if it's somehow not then you know, once again, you can kind of use that portion during the season to sort of try to figure some of that out if that is indeed what you want to do. For now, speaking of what I'd like to be doing, that's cruise around the SEC, uh, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. In fact, I wouldn't mind be cruising around with just with Royal Caribbean period right now because when it is as hot as it is here, the thought of a cool, pleasant Caribbean breeze, oh, you better believe. Uh, that would feel very good sounds really good to even think about that uh, and that is what royal caribbean provides on their wonderful fleet of ships including many ships that's kind of sail out of port canaveral you know port canaveral is sort of my home port there are obviously tons of great ports you can go to port everglades there in fort lauderdale or port of miami if you live you know kind of you know a little farther out west maybe you're going out of uh, galveston island in texas and kind of doing some of the itineraries that are associated with that but for me because i live in the atlanta area and because i like to drive you know just drive right to port canaveral it's the simplest easiest way for me to get on a cruise vacation uh just drive to port canaveral just past orlando and you're basically there and so when you're thinking about great ships kind of sailing out you're sort of thinking about what goes out of port canaveral including our dog nation cruise in april of 2024 but keep this in mind I think what's really exciting is the commitment that Royal Caribbean, which is obviously Royal Caribbean International, right? They got cruise, you know, ships everywhere. But the specific commitment they are making to Port Canaveral is really, really fun right now. Obviously, our Dog Nation cruise, as I said, on Allure of the Seas in April, that's going to be great. You can go uh, to royaldogs.com and find out more about that. That's royaldogs.com. Great website Jessica Slater has put together. But I want you to follow this way and keep this in mind there, too the newest ship of them all for royal caribbean obviously icon of the sea is going to debut in january then after that in july of 2024 utopia of the sea is going to debut and it's going to debut in port canaveral on those three and four night sailings so royal caribbean making a great commitment to uh port canaveral and a great commitment especially to those three and four night sailings for your you and your family if you like the crew if you like the short cruise this is a great chance to take a great one with our friends at royal caribbean so jessica slater can help you out with that give her a call 770-718-9147 that's 770-718-9147 or email her jay slater at dreamvacations.com that's jay slater at dreamvacations.com all right let's go cruise around the sec courtesy of royal caribbean and i begin with what might be bad news, at least if you're a George fan, which I'm assuming you are. At least the overwhelming majority of you are. It appears that today, when five-star defensive lineman Williams Winnery makes his college choice, of course, Winnery ranked by on three, is the number one overall prospect in the game right now. 
when he makes his decision, it is likely not to be UGA. That's what the online chatter has been for quite some time. You've got more of those kind of official predictions and the different websites call those different things, but the official predictions that are kind of out there right now. And you are seeing Missouri being talked up here. At one point in time, Oklahoma was a factor. Uh, Georgia has tried to be a factor here. There's always been the thought of the the home state pool pull, I should say, because of the way in which NIL money can be distributed in Missouri being a little bit different than it exists other places here right now. And that's just the way that kind of goes. I don't think the Georgia fans, by and large, are surprised by this. Probably a little bit disappointed because clearly this is the kind of player that you want to go out and get. I, I do think it's appropriate for us here, and I, hopefully we're doing this on the show, and hopefully – uh, this is kind of reflected across the board there as well. That any prediction about you know so and so going whatever, any prediction that doesn't factor in the sort of late push from the NIL right now, the possibility that could happen. In other words, making an evaluation about something before that has kind of happened. I think it's probably important to kind of you know sort of pump brakes on that just a little bit because you know you do see late movement when some of this stuff doesn't always happen but it also sometimes does happen so you kind of see the late movement here from missouri it appears that may be where winery is going to go and it does appear that nil if you leave if you believe some of the online chatter out there is a pretty big factor in all this which i'm not mad about that not from winery's standpoint and not from missouri's standpoint either we've talked before if you play like the fantasy sports stuff you understand the idea of stars and scrubs throw a bunch of money at a star player i may have to populate him with less than that because my budget went to one guy here and in the future that's going to be more and more of what georgia does battle with because you know let's not be naive if georgia wasn't also willing to kind of play the nil game to a certain extent obviously a pretty robust nil program georgia i think prefers to kind of give that to established players but clearly the idea that you can come to georgia and eventually be one of those players has to be a part of the pitch Otherwise, Georgia wouldn't even be a hat on the table for guys like Winery or KJ Bolden or, or you know guys we've kind of talked about before. So let's not be naive about Georgia's, you know, you know, willingness and also ability to kind of play the game at the highest level. We believe that Georgia clearly is able to do that. Many of your donations to UGA and its NIL fund have helped make that possible. So if you're a Georgia fan, obviously you ought to express some gratitude to the people who help funding some of that kind of stuff. But we also understand that Georgia, you know has an entire roster to take care of here and too much on one player is just never going to make a lot of sense that there is no official salary cap in college football but functioning as if there is i think is one of those things that's probably pretty wise for uga so other programs are going to do different things to sort of make themselves competitive georgia has the ability to sort of build an elite roster across the board other programs don't have that so they're going to go bigger on an individual player than georgia's going to uh either be able to do or in most cases probably want to do so just sort of keep that in mind that it seems like lately we've talked more and more about georgia versus so-and-so for so-and-so player and that program is willing to kind of go all in on a player and kind of challenge georgia to do the same type of thing well georgia can't go all in on any one player because georgia's trying to fill a roster with all kinds of players that other programs might, might, might be willing to go all in for so there's always going to be some sort of challenge as it relates to recruiting. This just happens to be the current challenge that current coaches are having to deal with. And clearly, Georgia's navigating this kind of stuff pretty well. You can't win them all. It appears that Georgia might not win for Winery. And you sort of shake yourself off, dust yourself off, and get ready to turn to whatever is next. Sometimes you take the L. Georgia may take the L here on this. 
And obviously, it appears there are some mitigating factors that it might be kind of causing that to happen. Speaking of taking L's, we believe that Florida can take a lot of those this year, likely will. And the starting quarterback named for the Gators, lousy, stinking Gators as they are, probably not helping matters here. Graham Mertz, you know, no surprise, transferred over from Wisconsin, was likely going to be the starting quarterback. And if this is the best they've got, then I wish them good luck because we've seen Mertz uh you know in the big 10 and he's not been spectacular and now on a week-to-week basis going to be playing a tougher level of competition including as steve spurger said week one on the road against utah we're going to find out a lot about him right there you know florida had anthony richardson as its starting quarterback a year ago and richardson became the darling of the nfl draft and first round uh, selection well florida barely made a bowl game with richardson how much worse could they possibly be trading richardson for mertz we are about to find out if you're a uga fan that is a fun thing to consider uh one more story to get to and for many of you this is also a fun thing to consider jim harbaugh against the ncaa now i'm going to tell y'all something i don't understand any of this at all like i mean to me the ncaa is sort of a passe notion you know kind of a sort of a out of style idea it seems like the ncaa is almost totally irrelevant as a body and yet we have seen the last few weeks here the ncaa try to really come down hard on a couple of coaches the other day it was jeremy pruitt tennessee former tennessee coach that's a guy that also many of you don't like jim harbaugh michigan another guy that many of you all don't like and i understand the idea of sort of is the word schadenfreude you know kind of taking pleasure in the misery if harbaugh is being kind of treated toughly here if michigan's being kind of treated toughly here by the ncaa some of y'all kind of like the idea of that that's kind of a fun thing for some of y'all to consider and i i guess i'm kind of right there with you to a certain extent but on the other side of that to me it's always really weird how the ncaa sort of picks and chooses who it goes after and it seems like their ability to be an enforcement body not just now has kind of always been contingent on the person or the institution they were investigating acknowledging the NCAA's authority like I've only been able to watch this like at 15 minutes at a time but I've been watching that Johnny Manziel documentary it's a pretty short documentary it's on Netflix but I've only been able to see like a few minutes at a time and you know one of the things in there is you know they had Manziel on the autograph stuff you know basically uh Texas A&M in that particular situation sort of shrugged and said we couldn't prove anything so Manziel was only suspended for half and just sort of moved on after that uh, you know, it's almost like if you don't acknowledge the NCAA's authority, the NCAA has always, even years ago, been fairly powerless, feckless, if you will, to do anything about it. So in this particular case, supposedly Jim Harbaugh lied to the NCAA. Now, I don't mind telling you, I wish everybody told the truth all the time. I think lying's a bad thing to do. But I also think that college sports is full of liars. It's just full of liars. You know, people in power lying about this. You know, how, how many times do we as fans hear something and we're left to conclude, I don't believe that person's telling me the full truth. Media lying sometimes. I mean, just lying all over the place. Like, like it's always amazing to me. The NCAA is like, this is the one lie we can't tolerate. Jim Harbaugh's lie about hamburgers, whatever it was. This is the one lie we can't tolerate, which I'm not against throwing the book at Jim Harbaugh. To me, that's kind of entertaining. But to me, the NCAA sort of weird, I don't know. And this is not just now, but kind of always been true, but maybe more so now. And kind of like it's sort of like death rattle before it got, kind of completely disappears. We're going to come down hard on Jeremy Pruitt. We're going to come down hard on Jim Harbaugh for, you know, reasons. Now, all the basketball cheating was going on. None of that. None of that ever produced anything of any note whatsoever. But Jim Harbaugh lying to us. We're going to show him how tough we are. It's sort of a weird, I don't know, kind of uh, incongruent 
application of some of these laws and rules and principles, things like that. So some of y'all may be entertained by it. I have to admit the NCAA Harbaugh thing is a little bit weird for me. Nonetheless, we'll make that cruising around the SEC courtesy of Royal Caribbean. Now, I will tell you this. Something that is not weird to me at all is Dr. Pepper. I love it. In fact, when this show is done, I can't wait to run right to the refrigerator. I'm going to get my Dr. Pepper, and I'm going to be enjoying that. That is my tradition. I enjoy each and every show uh, when it's over with. Pop the top on a little Dr. Pepper. And if you want to pop the top on one yourself, how about the brand-new flavor offering from Dr. Pepper? Dr. Pepper Strawberries and Cream and Dr. Pepper, strawberries and cream, zero sugar. This is brand new. It's totally fun. If you love Dr. Pepper, you're going to like the brand new offering from Dr. Pepper. And if you go do your grocery shopping at Kroger or anywhere else, you can pick some up today. It's a permanent flavor offering. It's a brand new introduction from Dr. Pepper. So try it out today. Dr. Pepper, strawberries and cream, Dr. Pepper, strawberries and cream, zero sugar. I'll also tell you this real quick before we get ready to say goodbye to you here today, that if you go to dognation.com right now up there in the contest tab at the top of the page, we have a season predictions contest ongoing. So you can go there, click into that and you can make your predictions. You can be a winner. Uh, that's a lot of fun. Obviously, Georgia fans love expressing their opinion about how things are going to play out for UGA here this year, including some of the things we talked about on the program today. So we give you a chance to do that online. Uh, contest tab at dognation.com you can enter your season predictions and i know that will be a lot of fun so we talked briefly a little earlier about stetson bennett in his performance of the la rams on saturday in the preseason uh there was a tweet that i saw the other day i've been wanting to share to me this is just really really funny and but it's also just completely true it just gives you an idea of how uh remarkable and unique the bennett career has been uh, let me show this to you here and we'll give a golden shoe to the uh twitter account known as nfl memes i guess it's called x now but i'm still going to call it twitter um nfl memes saying that stetson bennett and sony michelle were on the same team together at georgia that was in 2017 sony michelle retired this week that means nfl meme says that sony michelle was drafted in the first round played for four different nfl teams won two super bowls and then retired all while Stetson Bennett was still in college. Pretty amazing to think about that. Now Bennett is in the NFL for a team that Michelle at one point in time played for. So kind of cool to see all of that. Golden shoe there. Lousy, stinking Gators, including that hating Steve Spurrier, who's just as desperate as ever. 75 days from now for him and the rest of those lousy, stinking Gators. It gets even worse. That is our Gator Hater countdown because we believe a good Georgia fan is a Gator Hater first and foremost. We also thank you for tuning in today, and we'll see you back here tomorrow for Dog Nation Daily, presented by Pala Window and Door of Georgia.